Hey, Peter Howard here on the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Don't let them know. Keep it quiet. But I've infiltrated the nerd base. Come check out the show. I'll tell you how to beat them. Thanks. Yeah. Chicken, chicken or crow, crow. Chicken or crow. Crossing hey, Peter Howard here from the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Do you find yourself thinking about nerds? Do you want to beat nerds all the time? Do you sometimes? I know. Whatever Dynasty Outhouse would say. Listen to the Dynasty Crossroads. I hope you beat the nerds. Let's go. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the... From DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, it's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show. I lied to you, my lovely listeners, last week when I said we're not going to talk names. We've been uh, we've been talking strategy for months now, and uh, in fact, kind of the mantra of the series has been. The names don't matter if you get the roster mix. Well, it's not entirely true. There's also some strategy out there where, you know, just draft the right players. Hardy, har, har, real knee slapper. Uh, but, uh, you know, we can, we, you, you can still win fantasy championships if you find the right guys. We know that. We've seen it over and over. And so it's time to talk some names. And above all else, how do you not do it when when I've got the guests that I've got? Like this guy, D-Bro, is back on the show, and it's been way, way too long. But I was telling you off air, it, 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 you're, you're the guy, you're the one guy who has a take on absolutely every player. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, I mean that that that's that's a really really nice way, John. And by the way, I, I, I'm so happy to be back, man. It's it's been more than a minute. Um, we yeah. had to jump back on the mics and sit here and hash it out, man. Um, but uh, you know, I think we're burying something with with that really really nice comment that you just made. That's mm-hmm. really just a nice way to say that I never shut up, but but talk about football. <laughs> Like you can have a take on a lot of different players if you never shut the hell up. And I'm pretty skilled or maybe it's a flaw. I don't know. But it's a truth regardless of how we 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 just, uh, you know, we describe it here. But if so if that's the case, though, how do you explain all of the fantasy analysts out there who talk just as much, if not more, without ever saying a damn thing? <laughs> <laughs> this is to me this this is the stuff that's so important like we've talked about this on the show recently you know i i think a lot about when i'm when i'm thinking about strategy and when i'm or even when i'm thinking about content for the podcast or you know thinking about you know writing an article or putting together rankings whatever it is i i I really kind of go back to what life looked like before i became a fantasy analyst you know, before I had, um, you know, the, the, the resources that I have, the time that I have to spend on it and, and just kind of think about, you know, when I was just trying to beat my dumb coworkers and trying to figure out, all right, so how do I go about that? Like, you know, I, I, I know football better than they do, but I mean, they just, 
that first they just seem to get lucky and <clears throat> you know find that guy find Christian McCaffrey two years ago and um you know Saquon Barkley the year before that and you know just find that guy that just is just unbeatable and you know I, I think that people are are just you know desperate to hear that and not a bunch of fence sitting when it comes to you know yeah I like this guy you know relative to consensus I'm I'm higher on him than consent like that's that's really kind of meaningless when it's time to do a draft you know mm-hmm. um the whole uh you know i i'm i'm fading him but you know at, at the right cost i'll you know i'm i'm nervous about ezekiel elliott i don't trust ezekiel elliott but you know if he falls to the 10th round then i'm gonna take him why you just said you don't trust him why are you yeah. drafting him? and so i just think so many people out there would love to get just kind of definitive statements on some of these players, you know, they just want to be told who, who should well, I draft like lighter or earlier? Should I say earlier in the off season? Like whenever the Titans made the move to get Robert Woods, mm-hmm. I put a tweet out there in the space and I said, I do not want to draft Robert Woods. Like yeah. do not want to draft him. And then I got a yeah. bunch of replies like talking about, well, I mean, if he falls to this point in the draft and I'm like, well, okay. If he falls to that point in the draft then I'm still, <laughs> selecting other wide receivers going around him <laughs> like, I mean, like, exactly. like look like there are certain players that like yes if they fall a little bit later i might not like them but in the range of outcomes yeah they have a, a ceiling outcome or things of that nature you know so like mm-hmm. in best balls like i'll get exposure to certain players i won't probably meet the field on some of them i sure as hell won't be over the field but there are certain players that make the do not draft list. Like there are certain players where I'm just like, you have to take stances. You can't be lukewarm on every damn thing. Like, do you want to win your leagues or do you want to be in sixth or seventh place and barely make the playoffs or not? Like you've got to make stances about certain things, man. Like if you do, and I preach this all the time, people in our, and the fantasy pros discord get sick of hearing it. Probably is that, if you do the legwork, if you do have a process, if you do believe in other people's process, you know, like you're just consuming content and stuff, you're more of a casual fantasy gamer, that, that, that's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you believe in your process or somebody else's process, then why in the hell are you not just getting your guys? Like, right. why not? Like, why? Why do we play games with this like ADP false construct of shit? Like it's like ADP is made up of, of the consensus. Right. What if the consensus is wrong? Like the, the echo chamber, what if the echo chamber is wrong? Yeah. Then like what? Like then, Oh, well, I'm just going to go down with the ship. Like everybody else. Da, 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 da. <laughs> like fine. Have fun with that. The one of the most painful things for me, like playing fantasy is when there are players that when they're they're out there in the queue and stuff like that, when you play the ADP games and you're like, I'm going to see if he'll fall back to me. Like, I want to save that, you know? <laughs> and I, so I didn't take him in the 10th round. I got him in the 11th round. Like, what if somebody drafts him? It, is that not the most painful thing in fantasy whenever you were super high on a player? 
And I'm not telling you to take a 12th round player in the freaking second round. Like, listen to what I'm telling you. Like, mm. is it not the most painful thing when you're super high on a player and they go off and you're like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was coming. I knew it. But hey, guess what? I play the ADP game and I get yep. to watch that person with one of my favorite players on their squad for the entire year. How much fun is that? Yeah, it's not. It's <laughs> right. really not. Right. We uh, we had this discussion in a, uh, a chat group. I think it was from my position group in uh, Scott Fishbowl because somebody was talking about value in that league which i mean it, it at least in these there other no leagues value. Like, there's Whatever no such thing as did, value. don't mean shit when you get to real sfb drafts like right people you are can't like trade. i did 30 mocks like i don't give a damn how many yeah. mocks you did the draft you're about to walk into is nothing like any of the mocks you did period yeah. it's not yeah. yeah yeah and not only that to me value implies you know it, like that that's a concept that we use when we're talking about trading, which in most leagues, that's yeah. fine. You can, you, you know, you miss on that guy. I mean, he's going to be expensive now, but you can, you, you still have not access. Not doing that in SFB, it. baby. Yep. There's no trading. So there's no value. There's no, well, like, and I love just, SFB too, because it's like, if you're deep in the weeds, like I, I love yeah. the fact that it is so deep. Like it feels like a dynasty startup too. Like, do you get that same feeling, John? Like when you're oh, yeah. doing an SFB draft, like it's like part part kind of like large field GPP best ball kind of stuff versus like dynasty. Cause you're picking up, like you're thinking three steps ahead. Like, well, let me see. It's tight end premium. My last two, three picks might be tight ends that are one injury away, but they're on a really damn good offense. So like <laughs> if they get the job, I'm not blowing my fab in three weeks or it's a backup quarterback, like a Tyler Huntley where it's like, we've seen it. You know, he's going to run if he yeah. got the job. Like, you know, then I'm not blowing the entire – because people in SFB will blow the entire clip on one player. Well, I don't have to do that because I spent equity in the draft getting these players. So I'm saving my fab. I already have them. I'm not chasing what could happen in the next three weeks. And if they don't do anything and I need to go after somebody else, I got them. It doesn't matter. Right. I draft them in the last three rounds. The chances of them being dog shit all year are pretty high anyway. So whatever. <laughs> That's exactly it. So I, I, let's stay on Scott Fishbowl for a second, because the other thing that I love about Scott Fishbowl is, uh, you know, again, there's no drafting and you know that you've got to, you've got to shoot the moon in order to win a tournament oh. this size, you know, what? 3000 people. You got to get the right players that you had to have. You got to yeah. make the right waiver moves. You also sit here and like, don't need to be an adult like me and get busy with DFS or whatever the <laughs> hell else. And forget to set your damn lineup um, on one or two weeks. <laughs> um, you know, so it's a lot of different things like to yeah. be there at the end you're going to need some luck and you're going to need the ball to kind of roll your way in a few different cases like you yeah. do with any other large field type of contest. Yeah. This is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've got to, you've got to get a lot of draft picks, right. And you've got to be active on waivers, but you know, it, it, it does, it still starts with the draft. And, and to me, it just doesn't make it. It's never made any sense to say, you know, there's this, there's this player that I really like. I think that he's got he's he's got the upside to be that unfair advantage, but mm -hmm. I passed on him to you know because there was a better value, and and <laughs> like that happens way so too bad. much. 
like I said, value doesn't exist. Let's like take that out of the conversation. But, you know, and, and there are analysts who do that. There are also analysts who get it. They're uh, most analysts. I, I think understand that like, this is the time where you go all in on your best ideas. Another mantra mm-hmm. of the super show here. You, you know, the type of team that you want, you, you know, the roster build that you want. You even know some of the names that you want. And this is the one where you go get those guys. There's no such thing as a reach anymore. Well, it's this the same is... thing in Dynasty, though, John, right? Like, sure. that's one of the biggest fears whenever you start playing Dynasty is, like, I'm so scared to trade because what if I'm wrong in a year? Like, yeah. what if I'm wrong about this player? What if my process, I think, is right, but what if it's wrong? It's <laughs> like when you first get into Dynasty streets, like, yeah, you'll probably make some really dumb trades. Mm-hmm. I've got a bunch on my ledger. That's fine. You learn, you learn, and you keep evaluating, and you keep, like, trying to hone the tools and sharpen the iron. And, yeah, you're going to take some swings and misses, but whatever, man. Like, it's a game about a game. Like, why why are you playing if you're so frozen, cold, still scared that you're not even going to make a trade? You're not going to make a move. You're not going to sit here and push your chips to the middle. Like, you know, and I... I used to be like that. Like, and I, and and I get it. I get it. But again, goes back. If you have a process or you follow people and you feel like good about their process, because we all consume content or we started consuming content. Like that's how we all got into playing fantasy. Then you know who you kind of trust, then follow it, follow it, have conviction in the moves or the trades or the things that you're doing, you know? And it's like our end, a year or two, are you going to look back on that and say, that was a good move. I did good at this. I did good at that. Oh, that was really bad. Okay, that's fine. But what can you take away from it and learn that way you're a better dynasty player, DFS, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're better for it in the future. It's like you got to make those moves to learn. And if you're going to be so scared that you never make the moves, why are you playing the game to begin with? Right. Yeah. And I, you know, kind of to the point you made earlier, I would rather, I would rather make those moves. I'd rather take those shots with the guys that I already have kind of, you know, identified in my own mind, than let somebody else dictate, you know, who I'm going to, and then watch these guys that like Saquon Barkley is a guy to me. Like I've, so I've got two, two guys that I feel like have that running back one overall unfair advantage upside Mm -hmm. this year. Um, I think you agree with one and disagree with one, if I remember right. Um, DeAndre right. Swift and Saquon Barkley. No, I'm in on both. I'm in on both. You're good with Saquon? Okay. Oh, pff, nice. Yeah, dude, I love Saquon. I got I got Saquon as um, my RB6, RB7 right now. Okay. Um, and, I, and I've been scooping him up in Dynasty, too, because the other thing about it is, like, I think, um, honestly, this is, I mean, w- would you say this is the easiest time to get Saquon in a trade that we've probably ever seen easily like yeah earlier this offseason it was so freaking easy to get him as a throw-in in in a trade and stuff like that like you Mm -hmm. could still go out there and do it because you know I the rumors about the Giants what they're gonna do okay well he's probably not coming back to the team okay well that's fine I don't really care I don't (laughs) care if he comes back to that team like he's 25 freaking years old and he's shown you that he has an all-world skill set and talent just yep. because he was in a dog shit offense last year, just because he was hurt before that, doesn't mean that he's a freaking scrub now. Like, yeah. 
Like we we've heard. Here's here's the thing, and, and we'll we'll play ranges outcomes here. Okay, mm-hmm. John, what what if I were to tell you after this year that Saquon Barkley was on the Chiefs? Would you have said, "Oh man, like I should have been acquiring him way before then"? What right. if I told you Saquon Barkley ends up on the Bills next year because Lord help. The Bills were out in the streets before the NFL draft, and we got rumors of, oh, they were even looking at CMC. Oh, they were looking at passing backs. Oh, all mm-hmm. these different things. It's like, you really going to rule out that, like, two of the best teams in the NFL couldn't possibly go out and sign Saquon Barkley, considering right. that RB contracts are not, like, insane? And even if it's a short-term deal, if you really believe and you really are playing Dynasty in a two-year window, which everybody talks about, but they don't make moves like they're doing because they're still like, oh my God, he's 21. Like, if you really are playing in a two-year window, who cares if he's 25? That's fine. Like, the chances of if you are actually active in trading, what are the chances that, like, this player is going to be on your roster in the next three years anyway? Like, yeah. Your roster is going to be totally different in three years than it ever used to be. Like this whole like, oh, you can keep them. That's great. That's grand. But if you're really playing Dynasty the way you should be in three to four years, you're probably not going to have hardly anybody still on your team unless it's super flex and you got all your quarterbacks still. You know, the chances that you still have all those running backs and wide receivers. (laughs) No, not unless you've been snoozing. Right. And yeah. And running back in particularly like that needs to be a constant churn. That's every year. Tight end too. Tight end yeah. needs to be a constant churn. Yeah. I okay. That's that's kind of interesting. We hadn't really uh, talked. We I'll be honest. We haven't talked a whole lot about. Did I just blow your mind general. a little bit with that? But a, a little bit. <laughs> that kind of broke me a little bit. I don't know if you noticed. I was just like, whoa, wait a minute. You want us to Tight talk end. through it? Yeah. We we probably should, right? I mean, yeah. like when you stop and think about it, it's kind of like who who have been the top guy. I mean. It's it's such a it's such a weird position. I mean, we've we've had Kelsey forever, and beyond that, it's just it, it has been a constant revolving door. But yep. I mean, a big part of it has been just kind of a lack of of depth in general. So, you know, it's it's kind of like Kelsey, and then there and then there's always just a handful of names. So so this makes sense to me. It's just. Uh, so it, let, it's let me, not let as intuitive as running back, you know? Let, let me flesh it out a little bit. So if you have one of those, like, top three type of elite guys, like you got a Pitts, you even got a Kelsey, um, maybe an Andrews or something, you mm-hmm. want to hold hold tight for them for multiple seasons? I get that. That That's not really where this kind of comes into play for me. Yeah. But if you get one of these guys off of waivers that explodes or you – So the way that I like to build my squads, I never pay up for tight end. I just, I don't do it in Dynasty. I never have. I never will. I just, it's not how I approach it. So I kind of live in that 5 to 12 range, 7 to 12 range. And so a lot of these guys, like, I take it as a group approach. And I go after guys that are in good offenses, have flash talent, in good situations, um, are athletic as hell because you see the true breakouts at tight end. It's always guys with athleticism. It's never, Hey, I run a four, eight. Um, and I'm just going to volume my way to like seven yards per reception. I'm like, shit. No, that's not gonna, <laughs> you probably don't have the talent profile 
to earn targets at a clip to where you're going to be, unless it's just a horrible team, and then you're a one-and-done probably tight end. We're never going to see or hear from you again, whatever. You're a false flag. But if you're talking about, like, I chase guys with elite athleticism. I chase players that are walking into new situations in the sense that, like, what's the context of their offense? Have they flashed efficiency before? And if you're living in that 7 to 12 range, is there a lot of risk you're taking on? Okay, sure. But the other side of that is, could you have drafted um, I, I just a lot of the players that I like? Um, could you have drafted a Cole Komet last year? Okay, he didn't do a ton, but now like the hype is kind of high about him right now. Could you flip him? Could you flip him? Um, same thing with Irv Smith. Like Irv Smith is lower in, in consensus rankings. Like you could have got him for pennies in the offseason this year. You know, and now if he performs in season, you can either hold on to him, enjoy the top 12, top 10 production this year and flip him after the year, or you flip him in season and maybe you paid like an early third and you flip him for a second, or you flip him for a third and another up and coming tight end. You know, if you had grabbed Dalton Schultz off the waiver wire the year before, could you flip him for more now? Or you flip him for a tight end that hasn't popped yet, you know, um, like one I was doing earlier this offseason, I had Dallas Goddard on a lot of teams. I still have Dallas Goddard on a lot of teams too, but I did flip him because I, so I, when I flipped Goddard, I moved Goddard because he finally had the breakout season last year. Ertz is gone. He got the, the volume and stuff. I still think the ceiling could be higher this year. That's why I've, I've kept him in a few leagues, but I did get rid of him in a few leagues for a player that I was like, He's going to get the bag. He's going to get the bag, and he's flashed the efficiency last year. They're screaming to us that they want him to have a bigger role. I traded Dallas Goddard this offseason for David Njoku and a pick with him or another player that was like second-round value in a lot of leagues. And mm. it's like, and David Njoku is kind of like that guy for me this year. It's like, you can craft easy narratives for this. Like, yeah. Sean Watson plays over half the season. And Joku has been an elite, like, as far as efficiency last year, he was. He's going to get more target volume. He blows up. He gets, like, see, he walks out of this season with a top six season. You flip him, and then you just go after the next, like, possible breakout candidate at the tight end position, and you get pick equity on top of it. And that's kind of, like, just what I do with the tight end position year after year. I flip it. I keep churning equity. I keep getting picks. Um, I try to sell, um, I try to trade away players that I think maybe their value is probably crested. It's not going to go very much higher. It's mm -hmm. like, if I can look at a player and I say, okay, this is maybe the highest we'll ever rank him, then it's probably a player that I'm looking to move on from. That I'm yeah. probably saying, okay, what's the next lightning in a bottle that I can catch? And then I can add some other equity on top of this. So if we walk into the season next year and said tight end was tight end 15, but now he's tight end eight, then I'm probably going to get out from him and then go for the next person who I think can make that jump and get more equity on top of it. That all that this long rant makes sense. It does. No, it does. And it, like, it feels like it takes probably more discipline than most people have. I'm guessing just because like, it, well, you it's know, risky you, too. It's like, sure. You know, sure. if like, if those players that you're paying, you're, you're predicting to, to hit, if they get hurt, if they get hurt, like Irv Smith, Mm-hmm. Or if they just have a horribly unlucky season like Cole Komet, 
Because yeah. everything outside of touchdowns for Cole Komet last year screamed he should have been a top eight tight end. Like, yeah. he was top 12 in damn near every metric outside of yards per route run that you can name as far as usage, but he didn't mm -hmm. score any freaking touchdowns. Right. If he came away last year with, like, six to seven touchdowns or something, then he'd have been a top eight tight end. And it's another guy that I'd be like, okay, well, maybe I'm going to look at maybe getting out, out from him this year. You know, mm -hmm. but he didn't fire. He had an out, like, he had a really, really unlucky season, like, crazy unlucky season. And I'm just, I held him another year and maybe I get the, the, the chance to flip him this year. So there's yeah. risk. There's a lot of risk. Yeah, there is. And I mean, the other thing is there's the, there's a potential and I don't know, I like, I wouldn't know how to identify this, but there's a potential that somewhere along the line, somebody breaks out to a sustainable level again, like Travis mm -hmm. Kelsey, like Rob Gronkowski, you know, this, it, it it hasn't happened in a while, so it's really it's very con conceptual at this point. But I mean, at some point, and and you know, Kyle Pitts seems to be kind of the the favorite to do that. You know, once he mm -hmm. starts producing at that elite level, just kind of sustains that for several years. Well, if you it, you know if you get that massive breakout from him, tight end one overall type season this year, and then you trade him away. You know, there's a potential that you gave up that stability in the long term. Um, but I but mean, if, if Pitts blows up this year, could you trade Pitts and even get like, say, like you, you, you tear down, right? Say a lot of people, Pitts blows up. People look at Pitts, a lot of people look at Pitts as the tight end one in Dynasty anyway. Right. So it's like, could you tear down if you're a win now team? Could you tear down from Pitts to even Kelsey or Andrews? at this mm -hmm. point and get more on top of it. Even if it's a, uh, like, I'm not saying like you get Andrews in a freaking first and you're like, ha ha. But like <laughs> even small equity gains in the long run are all wins. So right. even if you're saying I go from Pitts to Andrews in a third. Okay, cool. I go from Pitts to Kelsey in a second. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Like still, still win. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and I, I, like the the part that tripped me up it was it was less about like wait make it make sense it was more about kind of looking back and thinking about the top you know the top three four five tight ends that we've had each of the last few years and where are they now you know yep. uh, there was a time uh, last year darren waller was the guy yep um, before that, it was George Kittle. I grabbed Waller that. and so many waiver wires, and I traded him like right after the big breakout season. Yep, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. For a while there, Zach Ertz was in the conversation with yep. Travis Kelsey. He's almost like he's he's kind of now. Now he's that so territory. discounted. He's like a he's a damn screaming value now. Right. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's got that upside still, but. Um, but yeah, we just haven't seen it in a while. And now, you know, changing teams kind of scares people away a little bit too, but this makes it, it, it all makes sense. I also like though, this is the, like, this kind of back to, um, you know, just what I like about talking football with you. I mean, we came away with three sleeper tight ends, just kind of like they, you just kind of like dropped them in there. Just, just kind of planted some seeds, but you know, uh, hopefully people remember that. I mean, we got, so we've got Irv Smith, we've got Cole Komet, we've got David Njoku. Get those guys on your roster. You don't need, you you don't have to use, you know, high draft capital on Pitts or Kelsey. 
you know yeah at and there's, least there's one so of many other could. like like in the woodwork like tight ends that like we could go on and on and on and on about like mm-hmm. i have my taxi squads and rosters like littered with like possible breakout tight ends like i've got dan arnold like damn near everywhere i've got nice. a lot of brevin jordan i've got a lot of uh hunter long still um if you're going like like crazy deep john um i've also got uh in like some 14 16 teamers and stuff like that like some tight end premium deeper ones i've also got a little bit of sean mckeon um stashed here and there and people hmm. might not even know who the hell that is nope. <laughs> uh if you go head over to like player profiler and stuff like that look up his name um he is legit like a crazy athletic tight end um yeah. his high school metrics like he ran like a four six or a four seven tested through the roof in high school college like his production hasn't been there but like you're taking the swings on like okay well dallas doesn't re-sign schultz um Who's the athletic guy? Okay, well, a lot of people go to Jake Ferguson. Ferguson runs a freaking 4'8". Fer- Ferguson's yeah. never going to be a guy where you're like, hell yes, I'm so glad I got Ferg on my team. That's not going to be the case. You're telling yourself lies if that's the case. Go up and down the dynasty tight end charts. Like, point out somebody point out to me which tight end in dynasty that's in the top 10 or 12 that runs a freaking 4'8 or 4'9". And then I'll shut up. I'll stop talking about athleticism and tight ends. You yeah. show me a top 12 tight end consistently or in dynasty ranks, top 15, where yeah. there's a guy that runs a freaking four, eight. And I'll say, fine, I concede. I give up. You win. But yeah. tell me who the hell is that? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I can't even think of anyone who gets on the field to like running running a, a reasonable number of routes, you know, yeah. at that, at that speed. I mean, you can't. So yeah. Uh, Noah Gray is kind of one of them that I've been stashing a lot. That's a, that's a job that should open up um, before too long. And uh, another one of those athletic guys. Um, who are, who are some of the rookies that you've been <laughs> like Isaiah likely maybe, or no, nah. I, no. I, I likely is a huge no for me. Really? He runs a four eight too. Yeah. Oh, he does. Oh, gross. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. Yeah, he's he's gross. Um, <laughs> the uh, some of the the t- I love so um we don't have testing metrics on this man, uh-huh. but I'm gonna say this we do but we don't. Um, Jeremy Ruckert was not able to test at the combine because of a foot injury. He is not. He was not able to put up any kind of testing numbers. But if you go over to Player Profiler, you could see his high school numbers. So, the man is athletic as all get out. Yeah. He ran a four seven in high school. Do we honestly think in college he got slower? No. <laughs> so you can pretty much draw easy conclusions that that dude got more athletic from high school to college. Mm-hmm. He is free in drafts and he's probably on a lot of waiver wires i love jeremy ruckert um him and and if we're going down the athleticism um train uh jelani woods i have a lot of jelani woods um and jelani woods didn't have all of the statistics in college because he transitioned positions things like that um he is crazy athletic um, he final season in college, they used him differently. So they used him more down the field, um, intermediate and deep. 
and he showed that like when he get a hit, he gets ahead of steam, Duke can break tackles like it's nobody's business, and mm. he can create plays. I think we have not seen the best out of Jelani Woods that we could see in the NFL, and he has been free. Um, so really, like if there's two guys off the top of my head that I'm probably pushing a lot of chips to the middle on, um, as far as tight ends, it's Jeremy Ruckert and it's uh, Jelani Woods. Okay. All right. So we've, uh, we kind of got a little bit of a, just like a peek into your process when it comes to tight ends, um, here. So you're saving some draft capital by waiting on tight end. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about quarterback and kind of your approach to that. And, uh, specifically some names that you're, that you're targeting right now, both redraft and dynasty. I, I know that we're, I'm, I, I've got really muddy water here as far as like, what are we doing? But, oh, that's okay. Um, but like I said, I mean, the, the, the big goal here is to drag some names out of you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so for, for dynasty purposes, if you're playing in Superflex, I am always, always, always on team pay up for quarterbacks. I'm on team pay up for quarterbacks in your startup, pay up for quarterbacks in your rookie draft because in, in, it's tried and true. John, you know this. Come on, man. You've been in the super flex streets. Mm -hmm. Like, the cheapest time you will ever be able to get a quarterback in super flex is in the startup and a rookie draft. They will yep. never, ever, ever be cheaper than that. Yep. I will. You will not see me out there trading for quarterbacks unless it's a team that I drafted a few years ago and I was dumb. Because, yep. it, put it this way, you pay up for quarterbacks – it fits every build, every build, Hogue. Like you, mm -hmm. oh, hey, I got good quarterbacks. Oh, I want to compete. All right, boom. Um, yeah. Hey, I've got good quarterbacks. I need to rebuild. Boom. Are you having to trade for quarterbacks? No. Are your quarterback room already set? Yes. Do you have to worry about any equity in the rookie drafts unless you want to go that route and build more quarterback equity? No. So mm -hmm. like it fits every single build that you want to sit there and accomplish in Dynasty. If you make a contending team and it falls apart because of injuries, but your quarterbacks are awesome, then, well, screw it. I'm just going to rip it down to the studs. I got my quarterbacks already settled, and we rebuild it. You know, like, it's so much easier to trade for running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, and dynasty than it ever, ever, ever is for quarterbacks and superflex. just is what it is. Yeah. Because... When you try to trade for a quarterback in Superflex, nine times out of ten, what happens is most teams want a quarterback coming back in a trade because yeah, they don't have enough depth to just say, here, I don't need another quarterback coming back, but take this one. So yeah. in assuming that I'm just going to go trade for quarterbacks or you're assuming that you can get a deal done, the premise that people do not understand is you're also making the assumption that the league mate of, of whichever quarterback you want, okay, that not only do you have a quarterback they want, but they have a quarterback you want. And so that's a lot of assumptions to say, okay, I'm also going to sit here and make this expensive trade in Superflex and somehow make that work. That is a lot of, of different areas that you're tiptoeing and assumptions that you're making just to pull off one trade. So mm -hmm. don't do that bullshit. Right. Draft your quarterbacks in rookie drafts. Draft them in a startup. So that's really like my overarching approach to quarterbacks in Superflex and in Dynasty 
But it, as far as like some names of redraft guys that, or some some bets that I'm making, um, I have a ton of Jalen Hurts because I drafted him in almost every league whenever he was going in the second and third round of rookie drafts. Um, I will still take him in startups. Yes, I know it's risky. Yes, I know I'm making the bet that he's going to be the starter in the next two to three seasons. I'm fine making that bet. I really am. Because if That's he such hits, an easy one to hedge, too, by if, the way. If he hits, he's yeah. a top five dynasty quarterback. Like yep. He would legitimately be ranked inside the top five or six quarterbacks right now in dynasty if he blows up this year and he gets a contract. That's not even a question. Like, yeah. he stacks two back-to-back, -back, like, top 10, top six seasons in dynasty or in, in fantasy. He gets a, co a contract. This is not a hard narrative to craft. And some people are like, well, but I don't know. Well, if you're <laughs> waiting to know, you're too late. Yeah. Like, straight up. If you're waiting to see it, you're going to pay waiting to see it prices. And that's just how it goes. You know, so I, I'll go with Jalen Hurts. Um, and if you're worried about Hurts, <coughs> with the last pick of your draft, you get Gardner Minshew. I, I, I'm i not usually a fan of handcuffing Or pick up Carson Strong. Like, yeah, yeah. If oh, you I think that, Carson like... Strong. Yeah, if yeah. you pick up Carson yeah. Strong off of waivers, if you think that Hurts is, is terrible and he's going to flame out, then yeah. you need to be making bets on Gardner Minshew or Carson Strong on the back end of your rosters. And then the... Uh, you know, if if this does happen, Hertz actually does get benched. Then, I mean, he's going somewhere else, and he's going to start somewhere else. They're yeah. just they're not, you know, thirty two quarterbacks in the world who are better than Jalen Hurts no. right now, no, and that includes not. this incoming rookie class. So he's going to find a starting yeah. job somewhere. Now, all of a sudden, you've got two starters. So, yep. yeah, it's a pretty. I'm not much team. on the incoming rookie class. Like I love Malik. I love, love, love Malik. But Malik falling to the third round was almost a, the, the kiss of death. Yep. Um, the chances of him ever hitting in the NFL are really astronomically small. So I love Malik. Um, I actually have, and we're talking about miscues. Um, I, 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 I give zero shits about airing my dirty laundry and my missteps nice. because whatever. Um, there are a few rookie drafts where I took in Superflex where I before the NFL draft because we come on Hogue we're all DJs we we do a lot of rookie drafts before the NFL draft because it's fun man you're making bets on draft capital you're making bets on players that you like it's all good yeah you know we're 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 sickos it's fine <laughs> there are a few rookie drafts where I had the 101 and I drafted Malik Willis does it hurt was it bad yeah for sure like I know that now that he dropped to the third round. But who the hell could tell you honestly they saw him dropping to the third round in the NFL draft? Right. Nobody. They're full of shit if they told you they knew that for 100% certainty. So, yeah. yeah, like, is was it not good? Sure. It's it's terrible. Like, would I have been much happier to go with, like, have Drake London or Brees Hall or somebody on my team? Uh, you bet your ass I would. But whatever. You Like, you live, you learn, and you figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, that happened in a few of my drafts and stuff. But as far as, like, so all the rookies, I'm out for... Yep. And for, for rookie Kenny Pickett, I do not Even think it's going to be anything better um, yep. than a, than a, a league average starter. Like I, I looked at like, I think my comp for him was a cross between Alex Smith and Sam Darnold, which is not good. Yeah. Um, uh, so all the rookies I'm out on, I'm big into Jalen hurts. I think that if you're looking and you're competing and we're talking about the two to three year window, I think that one of the best values in dynasty superflex right now because everybody does not want him they're writing him off 
he is going to probably be he might be a low-end qb1 who knows if everything hits but he's going to return mid-level qb2 production for you for probably the next two to three seasons and he is he's dirt cheap in dynasty startups right now is matt ryan like i have matt ryan as a qb3 in so many different spots where i've done startups this year because he goes so damn late yeah like follow me down this rabbit hole here hope <laughs> could you see a world where matt where the colts decide okay we have a good offensive line we have a better quarterback hmm. alec pierce we invested in we have Moali Cox, we got Naheem Hines, we got pass game weapons. Oh my God, Paris Campbell is healthy. Hmm. Michael Pittman is a true alpha this year. Could you have seen it in like any type of scenario where the Colts end up throwing more than people think they will this year and they do it well? And Matt Ryan plays well this year in a scheme that we like. The Colts are mm -hmm. good. Frank Reich is a good coach. And I'm sorry to break it to people. Matt Ryan's not total dust. Like, could that happen? Could he be a top 12 to 15 quarterback this year sure. in your mind's eye for maybe even the next two seasons? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have to be honest though. I was sure the saints fan was going to bring up Jameis. I thought that's nah. where we were going, but nah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going with Jameis. Cause I could see, I could see the saints roll with Jameis. Like, the way his contract is structured, he's got a good bit of money this year, but it falls off next year. I could see the Saints going out and saying, look, here's the long-term answer. You know, like, yeah. we feel really good. This is a team that shows you they have no problems being aggressive and making moves for players they believe in and stuff. So that could be next year's quarterback class. And, yes, I, I know, I know, they don't have any draft picks. It doesn't matter for the Saints. They will yeah. make all kinds of aggressive trades and then figure it out. You know, like, it doesn't matter for them. So, um, Matt Ryan's an easy name. Um, so is Jalen Hurts. Um, trying to think of any other uh, good ones here. Um, so, let me see if I can tee one up for you here. Okay. So, uh, it, it be, and I have absolutely no problem going narrative street when you're here because I know that uh, that we're speaking the same language in a lot of ways. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ooh, here's... I think I know where you're going. I think I know yeah? where you're going. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right, year, year two breakout, guys. We've had – this has been a pretty consistent thing for years now. And, yeah. uh, I mean, we haven't got quite the level of breakout the last few – the last couple of years um, mm -hmm. that we had with, you know, Wentz and then Mahomes and then Lamar Jackson. But we're still seeing it. We still see this happen. So who's that guy? If I tell you that that's going to be – that's a trend that continues in 2022, who's the guy? You know the name I'm going to mention here, man. It's all Justin <laughs> Fields, baby. It's all Justin nice. Fields. Justin Fields, I think we've gone far, far too much shade. People are out over their skis. Mm -hmm. And the only thing you hear um, is, oh, the Bears are terrible. Oh, the Bears. <laughs> I made a joke about an old wide receiver for the 75th <laughs> time. It's really funny. Come on, Twitter, laugh with me. No. No. That shit's not funny. Maybe the first five times you made it, it's not funny anymore. Like, okay, cool. We get your Velas Jones jokes. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> like, no. And I understand there is a talent gap here. Okay. I, I, I get that. But outside of, okay, he's behind a better offensive line. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
can you really tell me like what is the biggest biggest difference between justin field's situation and lamar jackson situation john hmm. better offensive line okay darnell mooney is not shown he's yeah. an alpha and stuff okay well maybe he has i mean Without Allen Robinson last year, he was uh, performing at a top 24 level as far as fantasy wide receivers. He had the seventh highest receiving yards per game. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe he's not that good. Oh, wait, he's top 12 in route win rate amongst, against man coverage. Maybe he is that good. Um, and we don't know what we're going to get out of Bateman, although I do love Rashad Bateman. There's a talent discrepancy between Mark Andrews and Cole Komet, but Cole Komet is super athletic. Maybe he breaks out in an Andrews type of way this year. Um, it's not crazy. Um, or he just volumes his way to being a really good receiver or good for us in fantasy. Um, what's the big difference between those two? Like right. both of them have rushing upside. Both of them are going to lean extremely heavy on one wide receiver and their tight end. And what? Yeah. Like what's the big difference? You know, like I think that people are so out um, and they get so caught up in the echo chamber of Justin Fields. It's like, they're so willing to give a pass to Trevor Lawrence, to Zach Wilson, to all these other rookie quarterbacks that yeah. they loved coming out and played terribly. Justin Fields showed us a ceiling last year. Justin Fields showed growth. And if people don't see that, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Like, over the last four full starts that he made, he was a top 10 fantasy quarterback in every single damn start against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He showed us that he was able to will his team to, to victory. He brought them back. They'll end up losing the game. But you saw that type of moxie, that type of ability, that type of, I'm going to take this shit over and take over a game from Justin Fields. That he showed us that. When did we get any of those inklings from Zach Wilson, who looked like he was just like, he had a struggle to even play league average quality play. Okay. Trevor Take Lawrence, it easy on my guy, Zach terrible. Wilson. <laughs> well, I, look, I, the guy might have moves and, and, and different pickup lines in the bedroom. That's fine. That's great. That's grand. He played terrible as an NFL quarterback last year. Same thing yeah. with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, everybody is all like still hanging on to the, the trying to confirm their priors about him being the next, like just, you know, God of football. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like did any of those quarterbacks last year outside of Justin Fields, give us any type of like flashes of brilliance? No, but people are willing to, to, to buy into, okay, what about Zach Wilson? And Oh, let's make really shitty jokes about the bears. And look, <laughs> I'm not a bears homer. Okay. I'm not sitting here standing for the Chicago bears, but right. We have to call a spade a spade here. And this offense is going to be better than people are giving it credit for. Am I telling you it's going to be top 10? No. Justin Fields is a better quarterback than people give credit for. Am I telling you he's going to be top five this year? No. Can he be a top 10 quarterback? Hell yes. Absolutely. This this front office is making smart decisions. You can rag and bag on all of their draft picks all you want to, but I'm just going to throw this out here. You're probably wrong because you can go and dive through the analytics of every move they made this off season and draw lines in the sand to connect why they made these moves. It's really damn easy. Like you want the cliff notes version of this. And I'm not going to sit here and say all this stuff without backing it up with process. 
Okay, they added Byron Pringle. If you go look at his numbers, he's been good as a deep receiver. They added Equinemius St. Brown. He is not going to score fantasy points, and that does not matter. He knows this system by Luke Getze. He's also going to be able to impart that knowledge to other players around him. Vilas Jones. They're going to use him in the screen game and screen up easy targets and completions for Justin Fields. Getze's screen rate has been super high. If you want to transfer any of the things the Packers have done to the Bears' possible offensive system, Aaron Rodgers has had extremely high screen rates over the last three to four seasons. So that transfers to Justin Fields, who was in the bottom five of the league in screen rate last year. You're talking about easy completions. They added Darrington Evans to this backfield, who is a really good zone runner. They're going to transition to more zone this year. Oh, they spent a sixth round pick on Tristan Ebner, who you can arguably, arguably because of the numbers, say that he was one of the best receiving backs in this draft class. If not, you can actually take the numbers and say he was the best receiving back in this draft class over Brees Hall. And I get it, it's a sixth round pick. Go look at the numbers. See what he did in, in college. He's legitimately been one of the best receiving backs in collegiate, like, running back rooms over the last three to four years at Baylor. And, oh, my Lord, he's his own runner, too. They added um, uh, two offensive linemen for pennies in free agency. So they upgraded the offensive line in the last day. They drafted an FCS lineman. Uh, and Braxton Jones, who legitimately is one of the best pass protectors in this draft class, but he went to a small school. Had he performed at that level at a big school, SEC school, he'd have been a top two round pick. They 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 addressed their their cornerback room with taking BPA and going with Brisker and Kyra Gordon because outside of Jalen Johnson, their secondary was dog shit last year. So. <laughs> You can legitimately take all of the moves that Ryan Poles has made this offseason and draw connections to why, based off of sound reasoning, they have done these things all offseason. So if you're going to be out there and saying about all these jokes about the Bears organization and the moves they made and the things they haven't done or done, then you at least need to get your facts straight. Mm -hmm. And, okay, rant over. No, no, that's... it's. <laughs> this is this is what I'm talking about. Like there's there's a definitive take here, but there's also just a ton of supporting evidence. Like this is this is the stuff that people need. People don't want to just hear, oh yeah, I like Justin Fields this year. Like they they need to they need like draft freaking Justin Fields and here's why. Um yeah. who are some do not draft quarterbacks for you? I'm going to hurt your heart with this one. I want uh -oh. no part of Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Um, no, that's fair. Uh, well, I thought he used to be like your Loveless guy. He, he, he your is. Loveless guys? He is. And I mean, he's, he I mean, always This was like a few be, years but... ago, but I, I do yeah. remember the, your, your love affair for Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Um, it, it's ongoing, but here's what I will say <laughs> real quick before you get to your analysis on it. One thing that I've started to to kind of pick up on with Aaron Rodgers is I feel like the ceiling is not anywhere close to where it used to be. Mm -hmm. We, 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 you know, we praise the, the efficiency numbers. We praise the touchdown to interception ratio, but I wonder how many points he leaves on the field as a result of worrying more about that than, mm -hmm. you know, getting the ball in the end zone. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Aaron Rodgers has thrived off of efficiency for his entire career. It's never been, like, rarely ever has it ever been passing volume. Um, over the last two years, they've ranked uh, 15th, off the top of my head, 15th and 24th in passing attempts. It's mm -hmm. all been touchdowns, man, like, and efficiency. And if those things don't continue, which he's lost a lot of good receivers um, that have done their part, Devontae Adams being the GOAT, you know, if he can't continue the touchdown output, he's going to fail miserably if you're expecting him to return top 10, top 12 type of quarterback numbers. Like, mm -hmm. I don't have him ranked in my top 12. He's QB 18 for me this year. You know, mm -hmm. it's and I don't think that, like, I'm not trying to hot take it or anything, but I have him in a tier of quarterbacks that I like their chances for producing. Can Aaron Rodgers still be a really good NFL quarterback and the Green Bay Packers win, like, 12 games this year? Sure. Does that mm -hmm. equate for he's a top 10, 12 quarterback in fantasy purposes? No, that doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, so Aaron Rodgers is, is a player that I'm out on, and it's not even an age thing. It just comes down to, um, because I've already talked about Matt Ryan, it's not age. Yeah. Um, it comes down to, I just don't see the ceiling outcome for a guy that's not going to run. He's lived off of not volume, but touchdowns for his entire career. And mm -hmm. now I like, it's like, does he have the weapons to continue that type of output? I don't think he does. So I'm, I'm out on Aaron Rodgers. Um, um, some other quarterbacks. I mean, like, you know, I can craft a few, few narratives for a few other different guys. Um, one that I'm, I, I, I love him for this year. I'm curious what his outlook looks for Dynasty. So I'll, you know, I have been out in the streets. I love Tua Tagovailoa. I, I, I really think that he is going to take a step forward this year. Um, if people want to be out on him in Dynasty, because yeah, I mean, could the Dolphins go and get another quarterback in the draft next year? Yeah, they got enough equity to do that. They can, you know. Um, but I think there's also a range of outcomes where Tua plays really, 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 really well this year. And he cements himself as the long-term uh, quarterback for this franchise. So, you know, I, I'm in on Tua. Um, but if I was going to go, let me see, another avoid name here. Oh, here's a good one. Um, Derek Carr. I, I would be avoiding him like the plague. Um, yes, he just signed this massive contract. But if you go look at what his contract actually entails... Um, and this, I mean, you could also bleed this over to Devonte Adams. Um, and I, I think that contracts in dynasty are still not utilized enough. I don't think that a lot of people really look at contracts as much as they should and lean that into how they need to be evaluating said player in dynasty. It's like, if I can look at a player's contract and they have a lot of dead money on, on on their their deal, then, okay, that gives them certainty. A team's not going to cut them, move on from them in a two- or three-year window. But there are also a lot of contracts that offer teams flexibility and say, okay, this is um, a one-year deal. Uh, it's it's a six-year deal, and it's puffed up to be a one-year – or it's, it's a puffed up one-year deal. You know, like mm – -hmm there are a lot of contracts that are like that, you know, and, and Derek Carr's is a perfect example of that. Like in 2022, he's got 24 million in dead cap and a 19 million cap hit in 2023. So next year that flips man. And it continues for the next three seasons. Like they only, they're only hit with a 5 million dead cap next year, John, 
and his cap hit is $34 million. If they chose to move on from Derek Carr after this season, they can do so and save $29 million against the cap. And that's yeah. the rest of his contract. Hell, he's 34 years old in 2025. He only has a $1 million dead cap hit on the, on the cap. So, like, if this team decided, like, Carr is bad, Carr did not turn out to be the quarterback we wanted to, they could easily move on from him as soon as next year. And Devontae Adams' contract is the same way. It's structured in the exact same way. And people don't know that. They don't look at that. So it's like, if you're looking at some of these players in a two to three year window, which you should be in dynasty, sometimes these contracts lie to you. Like, could Derek Carr still play with the Raiders for the next four seasons? Yes. Does his contract give him the certainty and the insulation that that's definitively going to happen for the next two to three seasons? No, not at all. Not even in the slightest. Like, Devontae Adams' contract doesn't do that either. But if you were to, like, take two receivers that moved this offseason and say, who do I have more faith in to be relevant and still on the same team in three years from now? Like, if you were to put Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill right next to each other, similar boat. Tyreek Hill has so much contract certainty, it's ridiculous. Like, Miami is paying out the nose and guarantees for Tyreek Hill over the next three to four seasons. The Raiders are not doing that for Devontae Adams. They can move on from him as soon as after this year. Yeah. Man, and I can't stand watching Derek Carr play football. So <clears throat> so this is this is one that... Like I, I haven't heard enough of this uh, to uh, to kind of quench my thirst for Derek Carr shade. So this is this, uh, yeah, this one speaks straight to my heart. Uh, so I started to uh, kind of pull on a string earlier when we were talking about Scott Fishbowl, and I forgot to finish the thought. But we were, uh, you know, kind of talking about you know the the settings, the structure of Scott Fishbowl. Mm-hmm to me is such that, you know, there's, there's some people out there who are going to kind of focus on, uh, you know, still going to do value-based drafting and get absolutely nowhere with it. But there, uh, there are a lot of people who really kind of grasp the concept here. And if you pay attention to what they're doing, you get to really find out what they, how they feel about certain players. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I, my guess is, it's not even a guess like that to me, that's the type of uh, the type of thing. Like if somebody saw your Scott fishbowl draft, they're going to know which players you like and which players you don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, so I, I, I'm kind of curious there. Like what was your approach to Scott fishbowl? Who is your first, you know, pick uh, maybe even two picks. And uh, what was your draft slot? It was, um, I was at the 107 uh, in the Fort Worth draft. Um, I chose that draft room, um, obviously, because I live in the area. But um, I also chose violence. Um, So my buddy, Dwayne McFarlane, um, lives in Fort Worth and stuff like that around the area. And I knew he was going to be in this division. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let's have some fun. (laughs) I'm not going to draft the most plus EV team because we're going to go back. We're going to snipe each other. I'm probably going to be on the wrong side of this sometimes. So is he. But um, I chose the draft slot right next to him because I was like, yeah, screw it. Let's choose violence. <laughs> and so um, we went back and forth. I was in that uh, that draft, and I went uh, Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins with my first two picks. I knew I was going quarterback, quarterback. Um, the question is who. Um, 
So I went, I went quarterback, quarterback, and then honestly, like I was like, you know what? Like I, I, I toyed around with the idea of going. Um, I, I was like, I'm probably gonna go like maybe. I was, I was toying with the idea of going like modified zero RB or going anchor or going full zero RB, and so I went. Uh, wide receivers to, to start the first few picks. Um, I know, I can't remember who my first receiver I took was, but I do know that I've got like, I think I've got like AJ Brown. I've got, um, Michael Pittman. I've got a bunch of different wide receivers. Like I'd have to go pull up my team, but, um, I went wide receivers for the next like five to six picks at least. Um, Mm -hmm. because I was like, I went wide receiver, wide receiver. And I was like, well, if, like, one of these running backs, like, say, Brees Hall, ETN, Akers, like, that second tier of guys I love, like, falls to me, then I'll take a running back. They happen to all get, like, sniped in front of me, and I was like, well, screw it. Like, yeah, it's fine. It just makes my decision. I'm just going to go full zero RB, and then I'll aggressively. So, after I get, like, five or six um, wide receivers that I love, I'll start looking at upside tight ends, and I'll start aggressively drafting handcuff or, or zero RB candidates that I like. I don't care about ADP. I don't give a shit if I took them four rounds earlier than anybody else. I don't, I don't care. I don't, I yeah. legitimately don't care. And so I, you know, like uh, shout out to Josh Hornsby who does all the fantastic work with the app and all the ADP and stuff like that. Can I tell you that I looked at that any? No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I didn't look at it at all. Um, but uh, so I ended up going, I got uh, Chase Edmonds, um, as my first RB that I drafted really high on him this year. And then I've got kind of like my twer- uh, quartet of, of, uh, high upside running backs. A few, I missed on a few guys, but I did manage to snag Isaiah Spiller. I got Ramondre Stevenson and I got Rashad white, um, in the draft and a few other guys that like, I love this year. One being Tristan Ebner. I got him. Um, I missed out on a lot of like the high upside tight ends that I wanted, um, like I had David and Joku, I had Albert or Boonham, um, pigeonholed or checked, um, for late in the draft. I missed on both of them. Dwayne took Albert O right after I picked one time and I, I had wrestled with it the entire time. I was like, all right, do I need to pick him? Do I need to pick him? I'm going to pick him. And then I was like, <laughs> but then I think it was like, I, for, I forget who was on the board. Uh, Jameson Williams, I think was out there. And I was like, Nah, man, I love Jamison Williams. Like, he could be a late-season hammer. I was like, screw it. Um, I'm just going to kick the can. Um, I was like, I like Alberto, but if the upside hits, and it hits in a big way, then I'm going to go with the upside of this uh, this wide receiver over the upside of a tight end, even considering format. Um, but then, so I was like, well, I'm unfortunately stuck in the, I'm basically going zero, wide, zero tight end now. And I cobbled together... I got like three tight ends that I feel pretty decent about. Like um, I ended up getting Hayden Hurst late um, who I like, I just started buying into good offenses. So I went with Hayden Hurst. Um, I did take Dan Arnold. Like I was talking about, I took Dan Arnold and I got Foster Moreau who it's just a bet on. Okay. Well, if they run a lot of 12 personnel, maybe he, he's got a weekly role. If anything happens to Waller, maybe he flirts with top 10, top 12 upside. You know, player again, like if you go and this is not like, come on, I'm, I'm what I'm, one of the things that I want to throw out there to people is like, I'm not 
saying anything out on the Twitter streets or on podcasts, on shows, that I'm not actually practicing myself. Yeah. So you could say whatever you want about whether you agree or disagree with how I'm approaching fantasy, how I approach dynasty, whatever. That's fine. You cannot sit here and tell me that I do not practice what I preach and I am not, you can go check all my rosters and dynasty and, and DFS and all these different things. If I'm telling you out there on the, on the Twitter streets or in my articles to do these things, I'm doing them in my own damn leagues. Yeah. So like, let's, let's, let's be kind of rewind. John, what did I tell you is the most thing that I, the, the mo one of the most important things that I look at for tight ends is athleticism. Mm -hmm. So Hayden Hurst, athletic as hell. Yep. Dan Arnold, athletic as hell. Foster Moreau, athletic as hell. <laughs> All three of those guys. Like, if they're going to break out, I'm betting on the athleticism. So, yep. you know, that's kind of yeah. how what Scott Fish went for me. Um, some other guys that, like, I wanted really bad and didn't get. Um, I would have paid through the nose to get Sky Moore. He went um, right ahead of me. Um, and some other players, too. Yeah. So, the overall approach. So, obviously quarterback quarterback and then wide receiver heavy zero rb mm -hmm. knowing what you know now having gone all the way through the draft let's just say that you got a mulligan would do you think it would look the exact same or yep. close yeah yep. same approach yeah same approach and i took an upside swing and it and i want to throw this out here i felt dirty doing this um and, and drafting this player because we could say whatever we want to like Outside of fantasy circles, I condone nothing. I condone nothing that this man has done. I condone nothing that has happened in real life purposes. Um, I will stand behind nothing Deshaun Watson has done. In fantasy circles, did I take the plunge? And I took him as my QB3, and I drafted him, I think, in the seventh or eighth round. Um, so was that aggressive? Sure. Could I have like played mm -hmm. the ADP game? Okay, maybe. You know, But, again... I'm trying to discern between fantasy and reality and things of that nature. And so yeah. in fantasy circles, I took the upside swing in real life circles. I condone nothing. I will never own a piece of Deshaun Watson memorabilia. I will never cheer for Deshaun Watson, all those different things. But in this draft did I take him because of the upside Did I take him aggressively because of said upside. And maybe that's a difference maker in this tournament that we're all playing for fun and for charity. Sure. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's going to be such a tough one for us for a long... Like, we have to preface that now. Anytime we talk about mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson, like, yeah, he's a horrible person. Don't condone any of it. Now yeah. let's get to some fantasy analysis. Like, that that, that sucks, but that's kind of where we're It's true, man, at. but it's true. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a... It's, it's another story and a long line of just, you know... NFL players are no different than anybody else walking the earth. You know, yeah. there are good people in this world and there are bad people in this world. And the NFL is no different. You know, there are good people in the NFL and there are bad people in the NFL. That's just life, you know, like, that's just how it goes. Now, are they more in the public spotlight? Absolutely. Should that also count into, like, you know, some of the actions and things that people do? Sure. But, again, mm -hmm. that's, everybody's different, you know. For so. Sure. You know, I mean, it's the same thing that we used to preface, you know, back when we were in fantasy, when we were talking about Kareem Hunt, Ray Rice, and all these other different horrible things that have happened that have been NFL storylines, you know. So, yeah, we're going to have to continue to talk about it and and also draw that, that line in the sand that, like, look, it's, you know, I will, I, 
I will not tell anybody not to draft Deshaun Watson because they can't, you know, they're like, look, like what he did, I will not draft him. That's yeah, fine. That's fine. I support that a hundred percent. You know what yeah. I mean? And the same things that like, if people want to draft him because they're playing a game about a game, that's fine too. You know, I'm not going to come down with the big, like the hammer on either side, you know, like I've got my own personal beliefs about what I think about, you know, the case, him as a person, other things like that. And I try to eliminate that when I'm talking about fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. You almost have to, I, you, okay. You don't have to, nobody has to do this, Yeah, but it's, it's kind of, it'll make this game a lot easier if you kind of like strip away the humanity in a lot of ways, kind of, you know, view them like, you know, pieces on a chessboard, essentially. Like, you know, we're not talking about, um, a, a, you know, because we don't get points for morality in this game. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, you know, you can you can say that you don't want Deshaun Watson on your roster. And again, that's totally fine. You know, people can make mm-hmm. that, that decision. Somebody's going to roster Deshaun Watson. Somebody is going to get his his scoring in fantasy football. And I just, I don't know why you would, you know, rule out um, being that person unless, you know, this is, you you feel strongly enough about um, the morality side of it. But yeah, I mean, just, I, get, I get both sides of it. I really do. Yeah. And, you know, so that's fine. Like if he's on the do not draft list for people that, I don't disagree with that at all. Like I support that decision a hundred percent just as much as I support people that want to draft him because they're playing a game about a game. You know, it's, yep. I, I think both are fine. Um, you know, I mean, it is what it is, man. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I said, that's going to be a tough one for a while. So back to, uh, back to kind of your redraft approach. Um, so, what, so was this was this roster build that you were going for and this the kind of this draft strategy was it specific to SFB or is this something that you're going to be doing just kind of across the board in the uh, Superflex leagues? Uh, it was all SFB. Um, yeah. Like in in Superflex redraft leagues, and we get a lot of questions about this, or you do mocks and things like that. All the questions that we get in the Fantasy Pros Discord about it is like, how early is to take a quarterback? It's mm-hmm. too early to take a quarterback in a redraft league for Superflex. And Dynasty and Superflex, I approach it very, very differently. Dynasty, I can tell you I'm probably going quarterback, quarterback um, in every single draft. Doesn't matter if I'm drafting 12th, doesn't matter if I'm drafting third. Um, that's just how I approach it. And you could still get really, really damn good quarterbacks even at the 12th, 13th spot right now. Um, because in, in Dynasty startups, you know, you can pretty much pigeonhole that like three to four positional players are going to go off the board in the first round and push quarterbacks to where you're like in the seventh, seven to 11, seven to nine or 10 tier. Um, it's where you're probably, even if you're at 12, you're probably drafting your first quarterback. So um, that doesn't change at all for me. But in redraft and super flex formats, I, I really preach this a lot, and I'm not trying to sit here and make a blanket statement or sit here and make it something generalized that, like, you know, I'm just covering my ass. But, like, honestly, like, if you've been in a league for multiple years, you know how your league drafts, and you know how aggressively people do or do not go after quarterbacks. And to me, that variability is so wide in Superflex redraft 
that really a giant component of how I'm going to approach the quarterback position in that format comes down to a lot of knowing your league. And so mm -hmm. Uh, that really is what that's usually my first response to somebody asking me, when do you take quarterbacks in Superflex? And I say, know your league and I flush it out for this. And some people will say, so the next question that comes down the pipe is, well, it's my first time in this league. I don't know them. <laughs> so I don't know what to do. So I'm asking you <clears throat> to which I will say it, you can go with one of two things. If you want to draft your first quarterback in the first round, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I, I have no problem with that. Nine times out of ten, if I'm walking into a brand new Superflex redraft league, I'll either follow one of two different things. I'll either draft quarterbacks aggressively like I usually do, or I'll kind of test the waters. So I'll draft a quarterback in the first round, and then see how the second round plays out. Like, do people go quarterback, quarterback? And if I'm early and say, like, I've got a turn pick, um, I'm more likely to go, like, maybe one quarterback and a positional player and then see how the rest of the room attacks the position. So I give myself an out. So basically, it's if the, if the rest of the draft room disregards it and quarterbacks fall back to me in the, the third round then cool. If the rest of the room is aggressive behind me in drafting quarterbacks, okay, well, I've got an anchor quarterback to to um, to anchor my lineups for Superflex. And so mm -hmm. for the QB2 spot, I'll just piece it together. You know, like yeah. I'll take some late flyers on a one injury away guy. Like maybe the last two picks, if I go with the, the I'm going to just cast the net and I'm going to stream my QB two position QB two QB three and match that up. And I'll take like the, if it's a deeper league or something like that, like my last pick, maybe two picks, I'll take one injury away types on either their rushing quarterbacks, like a Tyrod Taylor, a Tyler Huntley, or it's guys that maybe can perform well. Like we've seen them do it in really good offenses. So that's really in a super flex redraft league. That's a lot. That's usually how I'm approaching it. If you don't know your league, then it's one quarterback in round one and see kind of what the rest of the room does. Or if you know they draft aggressively, it's QB, QB. Yeah. If you get that wrong, do you, would you be comfortable with, you know, so you, you mentioned earlier, Justin Fields and Matt Ryan, which, which that's a nice combo, by the way, between, mm -hmm. you know, kind of balances floor, floor and upside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, would you be comfortable going into the season with that combination, knowing, you know, what that's going to leave you at those other positions? Yep. Yeah. I would, I'd be comfortable with that. And that, that, that also brings up another point. Everybody thinks that you need to walk out of a super flex draft with three quarterbacks in, in a perfect world. Sure. That's great. That, that, that's grand. That's okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'd like to say is that you don't have to like, mm -hmm. You don't need to be, and I, and I say you don't have to in the sense of why are you going to reach for a QB3 when better straight-up players are on the board? Like you're drafting your QB3 in a super flex league over drafting somebody who could be a top 36 wide receiver, a top four, uh, 24 wide receiver if all things hit. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to do that, you know? And people are like, but I got to have the QB3. have to have the QB3. And it's like, right. okay, 
but do you also understand, like I went back and I did a study on quarterbacks a few years ago and I looked at the average number of quarterbacks per season that start at least five, it was five or six games or more. And what I found was on average, and this was like over like six or 10 years, I forget how long I did the study out for, but on average between, I think of the average was like, it was 30, 38 or 39 quarterbacks make at least five to six starts per season. So if you're doing your rough napkin math at home, that's telling you that every single year injuries <laughs> strike at this position and up to five or six quarterbacks are going to come out of the woodwork and make at least five starts in a season. Yep. So this is to all this is to say is if you don't get your QB QB three or you're on the board and the QB well dried up and now you're saying, do I reach on a iffy QB three overtaking a good running back flyer or wide receiver or wide receiver flyer. Don't do that. Don't yeah. do that shit. Don't do that at all. Take right. your flyers, like two quarterbacks at the very, very end of your draft or walk out of the draft and don't take a third quarterback with the idea of, I will be aggressive on waivers to get a third quarterback or to get that player. Um, or I'm going to pounce or I'm going to take two quarterbacks at the very, very end of it. If they, if somebody gets hurt in training camp, then I got them. If not, then fine. I cut them, you know, mm -hmm. or you take wide receiver or running back flyers at the end of your draft. And if those pay off, then you flip them for a quarterback in a trade or something. So it's all to yeah. say that don't chase QB three production. When, if your first two quarterbacks are good, they're only making your lineup twice throughout the season anyway. Yeah, here in the land of quarterback extreme, five quarterbacks in the first 10 rounds, you get away with saying that because we're talking redraft. Like these are two very, very different approaches, like to a point where, you know, in Dynasty where that's, you know, my my strategy of choice is quarterback extreme. In a redraft league, I actually, I feel like there are two advantages that you can create yourself if you can get comfortable with these two things. Number one, is later round quarterback like you said if you're you know you don't necessarily have to come away with one of those quote-unquote studs you can you can find you can find the production later you know it's it's you can you can go it, three or like, four quarterbacks late that's fine yeah. like but yeah. the, if you're going to do that i would say get players that give you a tangible upside right. both with their arms and their legs you know so it's like justin fields Daniel Jones, yep. maybe Trevor Lawrence, if he runs this year, you know, players like that, that can give you a tangible upside and not just say, I'm going to sit back there and sling it in the pocket. And even if the, everything hits right, like, like if everything hits for pocket passers, a lot of them, unless they go for massive outlier seasons and passing yardage or passing touchdowns, or they're in a really ha like high fast paced offense, the realistic outcome for pocket passers, even if they have like, like grandiose seasons, like a Matthew Stafford, Stafford was awesome last year. He threw for almost 5,000 or maybe he threw for 5,000 yards. I, I have to go back and check. He threw for a crap ton of touchdowns that mm -hmm. only got him to QB 11 and fantasy points per game. So it's like your, your, your ceiling there is only so high unless like some massive outlier happens if you're going with pocket passers. So get the guys that are mobile late. Right. Yeah, definitely. 
And the other thing to, if you can get comfortable with, so the, the, the premise, part of the premise behind QBX and having those five quarterbacks is, you know, back to the, uh, the old streaming strategy, you're able to stream quarterbacks in a dynasty league because you're doing it within your roster. That's the only way you're able to do it. In a redraft mm-hmm. league, that's not the case. So waivers are going to be pretty stocked. So kind of back to your point on that, you don't, you know, get comfortable with with just drafting two quarterbacks and knowing that when the bye weeks hit, you know, you you've got the ability to go to waivers, get what you need, um, and then you know, and then throw them back when you're done with them. Hell, you don't even have to wait till bye weeks. Once these guys, they're going to be some guys on waivers in you know, good matchups. You can just go pick them up, plug and play for the week. Just, just, you know, good old typical quarterback streaming. You can do that in redraft leagues. That's not there for you in dynasty leagues. So that's the big difference. But if you can get comfortable with that, then it creates a massive advantage for you in those redraft leagues where again, to me, I think in a dynasty league, that's where you have to prioritize quarterbacks and you have to prioritize quarterback depth. It's just such a different strategy. So it's really interesting. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do want to just extract a few more names from you, particularly at the running back position, because, you know, I, I, I feel like we're kind of at a point right now where people are having a hard time, This is why I wanted to talk about um, quarterbacks in particular uh, is because the the quarterback landscape right now is such that, you know, people are really kind of having a hard time figuring out who are the quarterbacks I can trust, who are the quarterbacks worth making a, you know, taking um, later in the draft. And, And it feels really hard to navigate right now which is I think what's pushing people towards those, those elite names. You know, I think that people are prioritizing Joe Burrow because they're not totally sure what they're going to get if they wait for, you know, Davis mills or something like Mm -hmm. that. And we're, we usually have a little bit more saturation at quarterback than what we have have right now. I feel like running back is in a very similar state right now. Beyond the, you know, the, the elite tier, it gets really hard to feel like there's anyone who is, uh, you know, particularly safe, um, has any kind of upside. It feels like just a bunch of committees. And again, you know, I think it's the exact same thing. If you're able to identify some guys later in the draft, if you're able to go into a draft feeling like, there are running backs throughout this thing that I'm, I'm going to be able to pick up and they're going to, you know, I'm going to do just fine. I think it creates an advantage for you. Cause again, you don't have to feel like my one shot is to get, you know, this one running back, whoever it is, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, whoever it is, that's my one shot. If I don't get that guy, I'm not going to win. So I want to get some names from you of some kind of some later round type of running backs who you feel particularly good about in 2022. How, how late do you want to go, John? (laughs) Man, as far as you're willing to go, I'll take it. (laughs) I like, I I mean, I'll, I'll, here's, here's how late I typically go. 
Isaiah okay. Pacheco is a guy okay. that like that's that's and that's kind okay. of scraping the bottom of the barrel. That's a guy okay. I really like though. Okay. All right. Let's stretch. Let's get ready. <laughs> okay. So I'll start outside the top 100. We'll just start rattling. Let's, let's rapid fire some names here. Um, talked about Chase Edmonds. I think that I've got him ranked as a top 20 running back right now. Mm-hmm. I think people are, are insane. I think that he's going to be fantastic. <laughs> he's shown us like this guy is literally led NFL running backs in slot targets and slot receiving yards in a previous season. And people are like, well, there's a team out there that probably could run and is invested in their offensive line. and But they signed Raheem Mostert and Sonny Michelle and maybe Vonos Gaskins there, and we're really worried about him. And we <laughs> draft Chase Edmonds. He's, he's going to be fantastic this year. I think the Miami offense is being massively slept on. Um, if you want to go with the South Beach discount version of Jeff Wilson and Sonny Michelle, then fine. Go If that's your poison, then go ahead. Um, but I, I love Chase Edmonds. I've rattled off a few other like zero RB guys that are still going outside the top 100. So Ramadre Stevenson, um, Isaiah Spiller, who is, is still being drafted criminally late. I think he's going to have a standalone role from week one inside of one of the league's best offenses, period. Um, and if anything happens to Austin Eckler, he'll be a top five, top 10 running back weekly. Um, so he should be going in the same area as Tony Pollard and he's not. Um, so enjoy that value. Uh, Tony Pollard's another guy and everybody talks about it, but the thing I want to bring up about Tony Pollard is I don't just look at him as a handcuff. I legitimately think that Tony Pollard can be a top 20 running back on his own this year. Mm -hmm. Like Dallas has a perfect storm set up to where Pollard could explode and we could see the same thing of like 2019 chargers where you had austin eckler who was the rb6 in fantasy points per game and melvin gordon was the rb15 that could happen on this team because you have dallas it's going to be a fast-paced team they're going to score a lot of points and outside of cd lamb and dalton schultz who are the established weapons in that passing game yeah. nobody i love Jalen tolbert but he's still not established james washington is just a jag um, Mike, Michael Gallup has, has already come out and said he's not going to be back. He's probably not going to be back until like late October, early November. And then even at that point, he's probably not going to be, he's definitely not going to be hundred percent. So you could see Tony Pollard, like I'm massively buying into him being used out of the slot. Um, it's another guy. Um, and I'm not, and I, I threw this out on Twitter this morning. I'm not willing to fully write off CEH as being dead. Like, mm-hmm. The, what we saw out of CEH, and it did not meet everybody in my own. I, I'm in that, I'm in that group. Okay, I'm again, I'm owning it. <laughs> I'm in the group of I thought CEH was going to explode last year. He did not. But again, we did not know. Like, tell me this, John. Like, nobody knew that he had gallbladder surgery, lost a massive amount of weight, was weak and unable to sit there and even like train in the off season had we known that last year would anybody have been drafting or, or putting chips behind ceh shit no none of us would have so the fact of he had a lost season last year because if we believe that any of those medical things came out if there's truth to that and you probably should believe that i'm believing that because his efficiency numbers tanked this is a guy in his rookie season 
was top 20 in yards after contact per attempt. He was top 12 in missed tackles forced. He was also the RB12 in expected fantasy points. So we think that all of that just fell off a cliff. And was he a top five running back in his rookie season? No. Were there things that he did not do great? Yes. Was he as bad as probably he played last year? I'm leaning on the no. Mm. And right now he is so incredibly cheap. He's like basically a, a, an RB3. Hell, in some drafts you're going to get in home leagues, he could drop into RB4 territory. Who knows, man? Like that could happen. So Clyde Edwards-Alaire is another guy I'm still willing to buy into. Um, other guys going further and further down the board. Um, trying to like parse through names in my head here. Um, if we're going to go really, really deep, um, I talked about Tristan Ebner. I'm still on him. I think that he is the discount version of Naheem Hines this year if everything were to hit. Um, again, we could go through buying into really good offenses. Love A.J. Dillon uh, this season. I think the Packers are going to use their running backs. I'm not really going to talk a lot about a lot of things that are really going to, that everybody and their mama has not hit on, you know, to this point in the offseason. Um, but I, I like A.J. Dillon. I have him and Pollard both ranked as top 25 running backs right now. Top 24, I think, for both of them. Because I think that there are scenarios where both them and the other backs in there can eat and both pay off at their prices, if not more. Um, plus contingent value. Like if they if the other back in that, that running back room gets hurt, then maybe they go to the moon. Um, so both guys that I love this year, if we're going to go further, further down um, into the doldrums of the running back rooms. Um, I'll stay with the Chiefs. You met, you brought up Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, I, I still will have exposure to Jerick McKinnon because we saw him do it last year. And Derek Gore, who has quietly been an efficiency monster when he's been given carries both in the regular season and the preseason um, as a player who's been quietly really efficient. Um, and I'll stay on the efficiency train. Craig Reynolds. He played really well last year whenever he was given an opportunity. Hmm. Uh, so, look, we, we talk about Jamal Williams having value if anything happened to DeAndre Swift. There's a world where, heck, maybe Craig Reynolds beats out Jamal Williams in camp. He's shown the talent in small spurts. Um, his yards after contact per attempt were fantastic last year when he was given opportunities. So uh, he's another player that I'll have exposure to late. Um, we while don't we know were what... while ahead, we were ahead. recording this, by the way, uh, Justin Jackson signed with the Lions as well, so they're open oh. to it. It's not <laughs> does, that's rough. Does, does that change things at all for? Reynolds? Yeah, that changes it, things because Justin Jackson's also another efficiency monster. Oh, so, okay. Oh, you know, I, if I you... thought that this was like a confirmation type of thing, but it actually muddies uh, the water. It muddies it a little bit to me. That kind of shows that. Um, Maybe they're not as high on Jamal Williams as maybe we think. Yeah. Uh, Justin Jackson, maybe he just plays special teams, but I think it's interesting. He's a flyer I'll take in best ball drafts. I think you should pick him up on dynasty circles because he just can't stay healthy. Like, but when he's been called upon, played really, really well. Like, he absolutely mm -hmm. eviscerated the Texans last year when he started. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a, a, another bet on talent. So. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate that at all. Um, I'll mention one other guy. Um, and I know that I'm kind of going into the Frank Gore status of father time here. <laughs> we, it's looking more and more like Alvin Kamara probably maybe avoids suspension. We don't know, but it's shading more and more that direction. If he does miss some games, 
Mark Ingram will be a top 24 running back for as long as he holds and has that job. And Love yes, it. I understand dynasty friends, family, degens. I know that you're thinking about Abram Smith and I know that you think I'm insane. Abram Smith was also a UDFA. Abram Smith also has a linebacking background. These are things you probably already know, but tell me like everybody points to all the guarantee money they gave a UDFA for the saints. Can you also sit here and point out the fact of maybe they gave Abram Smith that high contract because of his versatility that they understand that they're not just signing a running back. They're signing a guy that can play special teams for them and probably play special teams. Well, so mm-hmm. I would not point to that money and say, that means he's the RB2. <laughs> no, that this team just extended Mark Ingram last year when they, they gave him a new contract when they got him on the, mm-hmm. on the team. And they gave him run as the unquestioned lead back. The dude was a top 24 running back in all three games that he started when Camaro was out. And for everybody that th- you want to throw again, we talked about tired jokes. Yes, Mark Ingram is old. We get it. (laughs) We understand that. Yes, you're right. And it's so funny that Mark Ingram is old. We we, we understand that. Mark Ingram is not dust. If I were to tell you. Sometimes there's some value in in having that. Like this is a team in a a, a ton of transition, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you just lost your your head coach of how how many years. You're, You're still... Uh, you know, you're still kind of breaking in a new quarterback. You've got what five games with Jameis at this point. Um, you've got you know a whole new receiving core. Like it, there's there's a lot of safety blanket to those two running backs. So I like this one a lot. I'm sorry. I, I no, no, you're else. good. You're good. Uh, so I want to throw something out there for all the people that love to make their age jokes. <laughs> And I'll ask you this, John, and I, and obviously I'm setting it up. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, who do you think finished higher in yards after contact per attempt last year? Is this Ingram? Mm-hmm. Wow. He finished immediately ahead of Alvin Kamara. Oh, so wow. if everybody wants to talk about how Mark Ingram is supposedly dust, you also probably need to sit here and say that about Alvin Kamara. If you think that that where Mark Ingram was in his tackle breaking ability was bad last year, you also need to sit here and understand that you need to be throwing that shade to Alvin Kamara too. Mm-hmm. So this is all to say that maybe Ingram is old, but he's not ready to be put out to pasture. So he finished top 30 in yards of the contact per attempt. The Texans did not use their running backs in the receiving game last year. Once he got to the Saints, he had 1.31 yards per route run, which I understand it was a small sample, but this is also to say that this is a team that actually uses their running backs in the screen game. This is a team that actually deploys their running backs in the passing game, so they're not out there running you know, meaningless routes and never going to be targeted. Mark Ingram was top 30 in yards per route run last year while he was on the Saints. If you were to transpose those numbers to a full season, and again, we're doing some delicate high-flying math here in the sense of we're, we're extending this out over a full season. I get that. But this is all to say that he's not the dust ball that you think he is just because of what his birth date is. Yeah. All right, I, we're we're definitely over time, but uh, I still just have two quick questions for you. They can even be one-word answers, uh, two-word answers. If you want. All right, first one. <laughs> uh, 
who who is that running back? Like we, we I talked about it at the top. To me, Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Swift, those are the two guys who are in play for running back over running back one overall unfair advantage league winner. You know, sixty three percent of of fantasy championships have this guy on your roster. To me, it's one of those guys. But who do you have for that? Um. And this doesn't matter, like what rounds you're taking them in and things like that. Nope. Sure, I'm no, I'm not going to say Jonathan Taylor, but okay. <laughs> Dalvin Cook is okay. that guy for me. Dalvin okay. Cook is the running back if, that I want to have the most exposure to. Um, I understand the injury concerns, but again, those are a little bit overblown. He's yep. played 13 or more games in each of the last three seasons. I I just think that people really, really are missing the point that this guy has in the last three seasons. He's had back-to-back RB2 years. Like, the RB2 in fantasy points per game. And you're not having to draft him with a top-five pick. Yeah. And the Vikings offense is going to be better this year. And the Vikings offense is going to throw more. And people say, well, it might hurt Devin Cook. I'm sorry. Like, I I much rather my running backs used in the passing game, especially for a running back that has been top 12 before 2021, top 12 in back-to-back seasons in yards per route run at the position. So he's got receiving ability. This mm-hmm. team has shown you they're going to play one running back pretty much. We think that's going to continue with Kevin O'Connell. Um, that they're going to play one running back. He's going to be the bell cow. Good offense. And you don't need a top three, top five pick to necessarily get him in any draft. Yeah, I, I'm going to have one metric ton of Dalvin Cook this year. I like it. All right, so same question at wide receiver, but we are going to qualify this one just a little because we're looking for Cooper Cup. So we're we're going mm. beyond the chalk. We're looking in the you know round four and beyond type of guys. Hmm. Round. Because um, I imagine if I if I let you just pick from all the wide receivers, like you're going Justin Jefferson, right? Like that's your Justin wide Jefferson's receiver. the easiest name there, and I think he has the best shot at doing that this year. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he is he's the layup pick. Um. In that diagram, but if I got to look, so do you want me to go after round four or after round five? How far do you want me to push this one, John? Oh man. Um <clears throat> I'm curious who you've got uh in round five. So after okay. round four. Okay. So we're gonna go outside the top forty eight players. Um and I'm filibustering here. Um <laughs> because I'm waiting for my, my ranks to load. Um outside the top forty eight players. Um okay. I'll give you hmm. I'll say two different names here, okay? Okay. To be this year's Cooper Cup. Uh, You know what? Screw it. Let's go for three names. Nice. Um, If you're going to go to the rookie well, I want a ton of Drake London. I think that he is going to be an alpha from day one. Um, And yes, I understand they got Kyle Pitts there. Yes, I understand Smuckers Mariota throwing him the ball. (laughs) I do not think that people understand how good Drake London was. Uh, yeah. last year at USC. Uh, I mean, the guy legitimately was averaging 14 targets, 11 receptions, and 135 receiving yards per game. And they look at his end-of-the-season stats, and they don't realize that 
if you go look at this dude's game logs, it was just stupid video game numbers. Like the dude was sitting here getting like doing Devonta Smith type type of stuff. And, the, and, and I'll quantify that in the sense that every team knew he was going to be the onus of their passing offense and he was going to get 12 plus targets a game and they still couldn't stop him period. They still could not stop him at all last year. And so I, I want to bet on that type of talent. Um, so if I'll go with one of the rookies, if we're going a little bit deeper down the well, um, I'll bring up two other names. Um, one being, and my love for this man knows no bounds. And people are starting to see why. Yes, yes, you're starting to see why I've been shouting at you all offseason about <laughs> Sky Moore. Sky Moore is, he's ridiculously good. He's so, so good. And we have not seen the top, the pinnacle of what Sky Moore could be. He came out of high school at playing cornerback and quarterback and went to a small school and they said from day one, all right, <laughs> play wide receiver. Let's go. And then he projected, like, then he went on to have extremely good seasons in college, and I understand, like, everybody... The, the, the one bad joke that everybody keeps bringing up with Sky Moore is, well, you do realize he's playing against, like, future, like, like used car salesmen in, in the college, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, the guy goes out and he balls out, and people always got to knock it down a peg. He's showing yeah. you in training camp that he's still getting open against NFL corners, and then people are still going to say, oh, it's training camp. And I'm like, when does the narrative stop? After he goes and he balls out for the beginning of the season, and then you want to say, oh, shit, yeah, I love Sky Moore. Well, too bad. You didn't get his ass in drafts because you were sitting here like you kept shading him like unrelentlessly. If Miko Hardman had never been drafted by the freaking Kansas City Chiefs, let's play the start experiment out. People get PTSD about all these different draft picks that they were high on that didn't hit. And then when similar scenarios or other things happen on really good teams, then they say, want to i don't want to get burned again because of that <laughs> if miko harbin had ever been drafted by the kansas city chiefs and people didn't dive into that well they would be much much higher on sky and more than they are and they should be because he's that damn dude um the other name i'll bring up here is amon ross and brown he showed us down the stretch run last year that he could be that kind of player and it is in his range of outcomes to be that guy again like just, and I understand that. Yes, he had a Brandon Ayuk type of finish to his rookie season, where the offense cratered around him, and he was the only guy left standing. I get that, but the the amount of targets that this man drew down the stretch, weeks thirteen, I think it was thirteen through eighteen, was ridiculous. And what he did with the volume was ridiculous. Like he drew a target on thirty one point three percent of his routes. That was, there were only five or six wide receivers in the entire NFL over a full season that did that. And they were all elite. And he was eighth in yards per route run over that. So not only is he telling you, okay, yes, he is drawing targets at an elite clip. Also, he's producing in advanced metrics at an elite clip. So yes, is there more target competition this year? Sure. Could he still reprise that role this year and then at the end of this season we're all saying 
Well, Amon Ross St. Brown did it again. He was a top 12 wide receiver in the NFL. He only did it for six weeks last year. We should have seen this coming. It's not hard to sit here and say that. And yet he's going in the fifth or sixth round of drafts right now. Yep. Oh, I've got Sky Moore and Amon Ra on, uh, in Scott Fishbowl. So, yeah, feeling good. I just missed Drake London. So, yeah. Uh, you can see why we can fill we could we could fill two hours easily we could probably go three hours i mean we just got a ton of information a ton of uh a ton of prep work just got done for the uh the upcoming 2022 season the government knows him is Derek brown we just call him d bro (laughs) around here (laughs) at d bro before i changed it on fantasy uh, on fantasy twitter before i changed it back to my name yeah. There was a contingent of people that didn't even know what my first name was. And I was like, really? <laughs> okay, cool. Early on in our friendship, I did have to look it up once or twice. I was like, wait, it's... <laughs> it, but it was your last name. I was like, wait, what's that stand for? Brown. That's funny. Okay, yeah. It's, it's not like it's a hard one or anything. You just you just get used to saying D-Bro. He's D-Bro. Yep. That is D-Bro right there. And that's what you get every time D-Bro comes on the Superflex Super Show. You've you've got the entire blueprint for your Superflex redrafts at this point. The at Debro underscore FFB is at Fantasy Pros. That's where you can find him on the flagship podcast. You can find his rankings. You can find his articles. Do we have any articles coming? Yeah, so I'm in the midst of my team series right now. So um, these are not team previews. What these are is I basically, you're getting to a, a look inside of things that I care about. And when I'm doing homework or stat work on certain teams things that jumped out to me and that i think are actionable either about certain players or how these offenses could run this year so um i'm still in the nfc i should have the entire nfc live on the site by the end of this week um so go check that out um if you head over to twitter um at the top of my bio there's a link to where you can go to fantasy pros and it just gives you all of my articles so you can check out all my content which is all free by the way unless it's been included in one of our draft kits and it's premium in that sense um all my stuff the rest of it is all free on the site um i also have and this is for all my my fellow dgens out there if you're in the dynasty streets you're in the basketball streets um i just had a another article that i completed will be live on the site this week uh, just looking at playoff weeks, so weeks 15 through 17, and looking at matchups and a few different ways to approach your best ball drafts um, that can can give you an edge. And no, it's not just there's some schedule analysis in there, but a, a few other ways of looking outside the box and how to craft your teams in these best ball formats, both for large field tournaments and other formats as well. So I want people to check that out. If you're a true DJ at heart, you'll love it. Um, and as well, yeah, we talked about the the main pod and uh, we have both of our draft kits or all three of them that are, are live on the site right now. So our Dynasty draft kit, which has all my rookie profiles still in there. If you're doing startups, all these different things, that is still live on the site as well as our best ball draft kit. Tons and tons and tons. And I mean, it is legit. And I am not lying. If anybody goes, checks that out, you can you, at me, at me, if I'm lying to you about this and you think this is a used car salesman speech at me, I give zero shits. If I'm lying to you, call me out on it. Every one of these draft kits has a mountain of info, 
Like our best ball and, and redraft kits have everything from strategy to um, how people are approaching certain draft slots, how they're approaching different formats, guillotine leagues, um, our perfect drafts, players we are targeting, avoiding, and all, 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 all of these parts are updated constantly. So I just went through and I updated all of my uh, players to avoid, players to target, and my perfect draft, which I tweeted out the other day, has over 35 players that I am targeting in drafts. I could show you my best ball exposures. I'm being real. These are the players I want for this season. So yeah, all the things, all the stuff, all the shameless plugs. There we go. That's perfect. All of that fantasy pros and then the draft kit. Yeah, that's... So I a friend of mine asked me the other day, um, who do you who do you who do you trust? Who do you still listen to now that you're a fantasy analyst and mm-hmm. you kind of use your own analysis more than anything? Who do you still listen to? And uh, I mean, you know, Paul Charchian has been my longtime kind of go to. Oh, he's he's uh, a goat, man. Love that yeah, dude. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, no one better. Um, I still love JJ Zacharyson. Uh, mm-hmm. I disagree with him on a lot of things, but I love the delivery. I love the process. I love how I love actionable it is. He's so yeah. smart. Yeah, seriously. And 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 I said, you know, the other one is Debro. Hey, this is <laughs> I do I, not put me in that type of no no no, uh, no you're no, you're no, there no. man you're no, there no you no 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 I'm gonna push back no <laughs> you don't no. get to you don't this get to is, argue this this is, smoke. this is who I listen no, to no this is this smoke is... <laughs> I do not deserve to be in that type of echelon those are goats my friend I'm I'm sorry I'm gonna push back against that <laughs> well if 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 you're not a Too goat kind. yet you're you're well on your way. So yeah, this is where I get a lot of, uh, I take so many nuggets throughout the, the off season from you. So, uh, you know, there, there are different sources around the, the, around the community or around the industry where I, you know, take little things here and there, but mm-hmm. I mean, Same. I just get, I get so much of my, of my, <clears throat> you know, my, my strategy and so much of my, uh, my board just kind of my redraft board is just kind of built off of stuff that I, that you tweet out stuff that you write stuff that you say on the podcast. So it is, uh, it's always a, just a huge pleasure for me to get to talk with you. You know that, I mean, dude, you just have to ask, like, you know, I would never tell you no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but and but now you see why. Now you guys see why. This is this is the strategy. We've been talking strategy for several weeks. Here's the strategy: follow D Bro, read the articles, check out the rankings, listen to the podcast. D Bro, so much fun, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's always great to get to talk with you, man. Thanks, boss. This was this was a blast. Um, yeah, we could easily sit here and talk strategy for three hours, not even break a sweat, not even bat an eye. I mean, just keep on going. So uh, I apologize to everybody. Yes, it's almost a two hour long podcast, but I hope, (laughs) I hope you at least take one thing away from it. One thing besides the fact that I'm loud as hell, take another, like a fact, a fantasy factoid away from this, but no dude. Um, And all honestly, like awesome, awesome time. Thank you again. Uh, for letting me back on this show. Uh, much love, man. We came up uh, at the same time in the yep. fantasy streets, got our starts around the same time. I've got nothing but love and respect for everything that you have done and continue to do in this space. 
Likewise, man. Yeah, absolutely. And we got to do it more often. And we will. Absolutely will. Let's wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe to the DLF Family Podcast Mega Feed. Uh, do me a huge favor and rate and review the Super Show if you haven't already. This helps me to get out to more people and touch on more topics that are useful to you, my super friends. You can get at me on Twitter, at Superflex Show. Even better, at Superflex Dude. Uh, happy to retweet trade polls and stuff as long as I see it, though. That's the whole key. So, Superflex Dude, that's the one that I check. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James Brain Catullus. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. <laughs> <laughs>